Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ask Shane Anything. The show is kind of a reward for those of you who pledge at $7 or more per month, because without you, this show wouldn't happen. Now, everybody does get to watch the archive, but if you're pledging at $7 or more per month, your chances of getting your question answered are much higher. So just something to think about if you might want to bump up that pledge. Also, another note before we get going today. Um, we're running out of questions. <laughs> and you guys have been great. Like, I can't believe how many questions are in that thread in our forums. You guys have been awesome asking questions. But I think the problem is I'm answering too many with every episode. So um, I may have to cut down the amount of questions that I answer in each episode. Or you guys are going to have to bump up the amount of questions that you're asking. Because I'm kind of at the end of the list right now. Uh, there's a few that I've passed over that I'll probably go back to in the next episode or two. But we need you guys to head to sifted.net and in the header there, um, there is a link to go and ask me questions. That link is always there 24 seven, 365. So if you ever think of anything you wanna ask me or really anyone, just head on over there and drop us a question now. I hope you guys have a great weekend lined up. I know I do, and I don't know if you can see this or not, but you can't, but <laughs> I am playing Starfield. So I have an awesome weekend mapped out for me. The, the problem for me is going to be managing my time with Starfield versus spending time on games that I can talk about on Game Face on Tuesday because the embargo for Starfield is still a little ways out, which is cool. I have plenty of time to play it before I need to uh, deliver my verdict to you guys, but it's a big game. <laughs> so I need to spend a lot of time playing it no matter when the embargo is. Anyway, hope you guys are ready for a great weekend. I hope you guys are ready for a great episode of Ash Ain't Anything. Let's get it going. All right, first up, we have a question from Kevin who has a question in every single episode of Ask Shane Anything. You have created several long-running podcasts with Game Face and Invisible Walls. What are some do's and don'ts when creating a new podcast? Is there something you try to stay away from when creating a show or something you need to have in a new show? Okay, the number one thing you have to have if you're going to create a podcast is people with opinions. <laughs> Even if they may seem crazy or wrong, they have to have an opinion. Um, there's this talk radio talk show host um, who is in the sports sector. His name is Jim Rome. And one of his one of his taglines is have a take. Don't suck. And that's pretty much the number one qualification to work in podcasts or to work in sports talk radio. Um, you got to have you have to have opinions. You have to be opinionated. You have to you don't have to. But if the if the podcast is going to be successful, sometimes you got to step outside of what other people are saying, not do it on purpose. Obviously, you don't want to be the contrarian just for being the contrarian. So people are like, oh, I want to listen to this person because they just say insane stuff. I mean, you could be that person. Um, I don't think the longevity of the podcast will be encouraging if that's what you're going for, but you have to have an opinion. You have to have strong opinions that you can and are willing to back up with facts and data. Um, so that's number one. Without that, nothing else matters. Like, But if you do have that, you can get away with a lot of other crap. Like your production values can be awful. Um, you may not even need a video component as long as the people on the show are interesting and they have takes. Um, and so that's one thing. Number two, I think that people need to be intelligent, keeping up with podcasts, um, following discussions, figuring out points um, that you can make that address other people's points on the podcast. That stuff is important. And then another thing that's important is you have to know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whatever your podcast is about, you need to be an expert at it. 
you can't even be halfway there because the people that are listening to you, chances are, are halfway there. And if you're no better than them or no, no more informed than them, they'd rather just have a conversation with themselves than listen to your conversation. So I think as far as the production part of it, or as far as the requirements for the people on the podcast, those are the kind of the tenets that I would look for. And then, you know, production value-wise, I don't think that it's all that important. You want to have good audio. You don't want to have a bunch of mic hits. And I'll be honest with you, that's something we had an issue with the last couple episodes of Game Face. So if you've noticed that, I'm on it. I'm working on it. There has been more mic hits than normal um, on the last couple episodes. I don't know what's going on. I'm on, the, I'm on the lookout trying to figure it out, so just so you know. Um, so production values, you can't have audio pops all the time. You can't have over-modulated audio. That'll annoy people and make them quit. Um, and then when you really start talking about like hitting a mass audience to make it really successful, another thing I would say is that you, you can't be too in the weeds. So it's a fine balance to walk. So you need to be an expert and someone that people who are listening respect and say, yeah, this person's been through it. They have a lot of experience. They know more than me. I'm going to listen to them. But at the same time, you can't go too far into the weeds. And I would argue that that is a, one of the problems we have with Game Face hitting a mass audience is that it is so hardcore. Um, and we go on tangents sometimes that last too long. It's hard as a host sometimes, just being honest, to rein Matt in. Because, like, for example, if you guys ask him a question about a movie, I just know that that's 15 minutes that's just gone. That's just the way it is. He's going to spend 15 minutes talking about that movie. Now, you asked him about it because you want to know about it. But as a host of a show who's like, man, we got to get this to time... I have to be careful. Like, for example, a Q&A at the end, like, I have to be quite careful with what questions you ask Matt, because if you ask him about a movie or a TV show, he's going to go on. And a lot of times we're doing QA at the end of the show, and we have a five-minute window, and for whatever reason, he just seems to just ignore that, because he's not the one who produces the show. He's just someone who shows up and has to talk. So um, there's so much that goes into being a successful podcast. I think length is important, too. Like, our show's three hours long. I think a lot of people look at that on YouTube, and without even considering it, are just like, nope. And if you remember when we tried to launch um, Sifted 2.0, um, and then COVID hit, like, as soon as we launched it. The idea there was to cut Game Face down to around an hour and then do separate videos for our deep dives. Or almost do, like, live game evals in some way. And we did that, like, a couple times. Uh, but with COVID, it was hard with people not being able to come in or being able to come in and doing the cleaning in between. It was just a mess. Um, and I have considered going back to that, to be honest with you. Just making Game Face an hour long and then doing another series, like, deep dives, um, to really go in-depth with the game. So that's something that we may come up back around to. Um, there's no perfect science to a podcast. Look, if you're hilarious, people will listen to you for three hours. And I think that's important, too. Like, you need probably someone on the podcast who has a sense of humor. I think everybody probably needs a decent sense of humor. But you also need someone who's just like the wisecracker, who may not know all that much about the subject matter, but can find unique angles on it and have some fun with it. So I think all that stuff matters when you're doing a successful podcast. And of course, the first rule of any content creation is, who are you making this for? Um, and so obviously our audience is like the hardest of the hardcore gamers. So there's a draw for us to keep going down the rabbit hole and making Game Face even more in-depth. Um, and I think there are people, obviously, who appreciate our discussions on Game Phase that they go do go deeper than most other podcasts. But I do think maybe we go over the line sometimes. Like there's sometimes we talk about a game for like 40 minutes and I'm like, we probably didn't need to talk about it for that long. Um, and I know some of you guys love that. Some of that's what you love about the show. But as far as bringing in casuals and, a, and generating a new audience, I think it's a little bit of a detriment. So anyway, 
Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's not just me either. I want to say that before I move on. Like, it takes everybody working on a podcast. Like, you say you launched Invisible Walls and Game Face, and I did. They were my concepts and my shows or whatever. And they were my ideas, but I can't do it on my own. It takes other people. And so many people have pitched into Game Face along the way who have been co-hosts or come in and done guest appearance or whatever. As the saying goes, it takes a village, and that's true with a podcast as well. <laughs> Next up, we have a question from Kalib Twalai, and I hope I said that right this time. How helpful is Game Pass for indie developers considering that game development costs have skyrocketed in recent years? Sean Crankle from Oxenfree said in so many words that a Game Pass deal limits risk for studios but also limits their returns. How do you imagine this sort of deal works? Would you say it's preferable to the traditional publisher route? Okay, I'm pretty fortunate to answer this question because I know Pactor very well. And you guys only see what he allows to go on the show. <laughs> so we, we a lot of times when we're recording Pactor Factor, there's like a dialogue back and forth. It can be hard for me to get me out of the show. He He's very well media trained. He knows that everything he says on camera should be a complete sentence, but sometimes he, he forgets. And... So I'm sure you guys see it in the show sometimes. You'll maybe hear a little snippet of my voice getting cut out right before Pactor answers something because sometimes he'll try to end a question after like 90 seconds. And I'm like, you can't do that. The show, you, no one's going to watch an episode that's 90 seconds long and I'll have to prod him along or I'll have to remind him of other questions that were in the question that he hasn't addressed yet. I have to coach him along in a lot of ways. Um, but... When we're having those off-the-cuff conversations, a lot of times he says, cut that out and don't put it in the show. He tells me about a lot of this stuff, how Game Pass works and how indie developers feel about it. So I'll say this, um, Sean is accurate in that it is a double-edged sword. However, I don't know if I would even call it double-edged because for the vast majority of indie developers, Game Pass is a godsend. Now, Sean, he works on Oxenfree. They already had a hit. They probably felt that, you know, if they just launched Oxenfree 2, you know, on its own without being on Game Pass. Also, remember that that studio is now owned by Netflix, and so it can't be a part of Game Pass. And that might have a little something to do with where he's coming from on this as well. Um, so he may feel like, oh, Oxenfree was a hit, so Oxenfree 2, why would we put it on Game Pass and, like, basically give it away for free in exchange for this chunk of money that Microsoft gives us. And I could understand that perspective. You probably could release Oxenfree 2 and have it sell on its own without Game Pass and maybe make as much money as Microsoft is going to give you. But here's the thing. For most indie developers, that is not the case at all. These, This is a high-risk business for these people. You talk about a team of five or six people giving up their lives to make video games, and then, I mean, what are the chances of your indie game actually hitting? It's so slim. Even if you have a great idea and the game is good, a lot of times that stuff gets lost in the shuffle because there are so many games. So the, for the vast majority of indie game developers, Game Pass is awesome, man, because you can make your game and you can make it good. And you know you're at least going to turn a profit so you can make another game. Because that's what happens with a lot of these small studios. They make one game, it doesn't sell, they're done. Like, when you're self-funding something and you're not generating enough revenue, you're always teetering on the brink. I can tell you that personally from founding Sifted with my own money. You're always right on the edge of, like, going away. So... I understand the perspective of a team that would work on Oxenfree. They're like, oh, Microsoft will give us a big chunk of money, which will guarantee that we can make another game or whatever. But what if we didn't work with Microsoft and our indie hit became a hit all on its own? This reminds me a lot of people who are poor who vote for 
policies that help rich people because they think that someday they're going to be rich and they're going to need those policies to help them. And here's a secret for you, that never happens. It never happens in either case, in games or in politics. So I think for the vast majority of any developers, getting a big chunk of money that guarantees the studio's future. And look, it's not completely cutting you off to other sales either. You can still generate sales outside of Xbox Game Pass. Like, for example, like I'm guessing 30% of our audience actually subscribes to Game Pass. So there's another 70% there that could go on to buy your game on some other marketplace at full price. And so you're double dipping there. You're getting a big chunk from Microsoft, which will help you build buzz about your game, which may then help sell it out on these other platforms. So I'll be honest with you, like, I think he's full of crap. I think he he is in a very specific situation where he's not worried. He's owned by Netflix. They're always going to fund the next game. That's not the way it is for most indie developers. So I do think Game Pass is great for indie developers. And even like the cut below, like the people, the bedroom developers, the garage developers that are like have games that are being built by one or two people. ID at Xbox is a great incubator that if you do a good job, your game could end up on Game Pass. So for indie developers, I think Game Pass is a boon. It's amazing. I'm glad it's there. Um, and I think developers who are kind of in that the, the higher tier indie developers have a different perspective on it because they don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. All right, next up, we have a question from Commander Fett. Would you ever consider moving away from LA? If so, where would you go and why? Oh, Commander Fett, I think about it all the time. All the time. I have lived in the same apartment for 15 years. <laughs> it's crazy. And I'll be, I think I talk about our apartment on every episode of Ash Ain't Anything. And usually it's about how we filled it up with stuff and we don't have room for any more stuff. And that part sucks. Like, I'd love to have an attic or a garage or rafters in my garage where I can put stuff. So I have to worry about, like, buying, buying something and figuring out where to put it. Owning a house is really the big reason why everybody leaves California. Everybody I know that lived here, that left, they loved it. But they're just like, I want a house. I want to have a normal adult life. Like, I can't tell you how much I would like to be able to have a barbecue and invite all my friends over and have a barbecue and listen to music all day and drink some beers, have a quarter keg. Like, that was my life before I moved to California on the weekends. Me and my boys would have barbecues and we'd drink and we'd play cornhole and horseshoes and basketball and all this fun or play games or whatever. That whole life kind of goes away when you move to LA because everybody lives in an apartment with a little tiny deck and a lot of the buildings won't let you have grills if you want them and no one's going to go stand out on your little deck around a grill. Like, it just doesn't work that way. So I'm a little jealous of my friends who live on the East Coast. They all have homes and some of them have two homes at this point and I don't. I don't have anything. Like, I have no equity. I've been just flushing money down the toilet renting this apartment. So that's one thing that would make me leave LA. The other thing is family. My mom, obviously you guys know that my dad passed away in the car accident and my sister did too, but my mom is still back there and um, she's retired now and she lives in a house by herself and I feel like she may be lonely at times. Like I have nieces and nephews that are growing up. They're all in like their, like their 10 to like 13 stage and I feel like they don't even know who their uncle Shane really is anymore. Like there's a million reasons why I have thought about moving back um, now, obviously, the industry is all here, but things have changed so much since COVID that, honestly, you don't really need to live in California to be a part of the industry anymore. That's all kind of been sorted out at this point. Um, and so I've thought about it many times. And my wife, her parents are getting older, and she brings it up every once in a while. But we love it here so much. I mean, I'm two miles from the beach, you know. Um, it's a... 
the thing about living in LA is I've never taken it for granted. I've never settled into a groove where I'm just like, oh, I don't really appreciate this anymore. I wake up every day and appreciate where I live. Now I pay for it. Our rent is insane here. Um, and we're still getting a good deal because we've lived here so long that we kind of like, we weren't on rent control, but our rent was so much lower than the rest of LA that this new company bought our building and they've jacked up our rent two years in a row by the maximum they're allowed to by law. And we're still paying less than other apartments of our size in the area. So we're kind of getting a good deal here, believe it or not, even at the outrageous rent that we pay. So I don't want to leave LA. I'll be honest with you. If I could afford to move like one, own a house, but then two, move like all the people I care about and love from the East Coast out here to live with me, that would be ideal. I've long since given up on that dream though. So where would I go? I'd just go someplace closer to family and friends, probably back to like, Philadelphia, the suburbs of Philly. Uh, a lot of people may think I want to move to Pittsburgh, but that city's just too small for me, honestly. Um, and a little bit backwards, <laughs> just being honest. Um, so probably the outskirts of Philly, maybe the suburbs of DC or something that, like that. I think a lot would depend on my job if I decided not to continue sifted once I moved away from here. Uh, but that's pretty much it. I think most people in LA feel the same way I do. If they could live here forever, they would. Uh, but the financial concerns are the issue. And to be honest with you, the only people I know in this city that own a home, the only reason they own a home is because their parents passed away and they were given a bunch of money when their parents passed away. And so they use that money that their parents gave them um, to put the down payment down so that their mortgage isn't six or $7,000 a month. And that's pretty much what you pay here per month. Actually, closer to eight if you own a home here that isn't just a dump out in the middle of the desert, like you're going to pay $8,000 a month on your mortgage at least. So that's a lot of money, people. So anyway, um, it's the conundrum. It's the LA, the California conundrum. It's so amazing here. You pay for it. Can you afford it? Is it worth it? I don't think anyone ever has the real answer. <laughs> okay, here's our last question for today's episode of Ask Shane Anything. It comes from AJ the Legend. You probably know him as AJ the Legend Watson. Shane, I know Mr. Kyle has a busy schedule in addition to his time with Game Face. However, I was wondering, have you and Matt discussed him having a bigger role related to Sifted? I would like to suggest an Ask Matt or Ask Kyle Anything show, which allows the community to pick Mr. Kyle's brain and get his thoughts on various topics. Way ahead of you, H.A. Um, I would love to have Matt more involved. In fact, I have pitched him, I don't know, four or five different ideas to get him more involved across the years. But the truth is that, like, he... He's in, he doesn't need money. <laughs> and so you can't motivate him with money, and I don't have money anyway. So I have to pay Matt. I pay Matt for Game Face. And if I were to get him to do something else, I'd have to pay him more. I can barely afford to pay my rent. So bottom line is that the bottom line keeps me from doing more with Matt Kyle. I've pitched him on doing a pop culture podcast where he would be the host, um, and him just getting a couple of his friends that he loves to talk movies and TV with and do a podcast that way. Um, I've tried to get him more involved with doing like gamey vows and reviews, but the truth of the matter is that he just doesn't need to do it <laughs> and I can't afford to pay him to do it. And that's really what it comes down to. Like generally any questions you may have about sifted about why doesn't it do that? Why doesn't it do this? Why doesn't this happen? Why doesn't that happen? It's all money. It's all money people. Why don't we do gamey vows anymore? Money. We don't have the money. Like that's all it is. And until we get more money, this is basically what I'm doing right now is all I can do. And it's probably more than I should be doing, but it's all I can do. Um, as it is, like, we haven't really hit, like, the tiers, like, for this show. Like, I don't think, I think the tier for this show is supposed to be 4000 a month. We're not, we don't have that, but I still do the show. So, I don't know. 
it's just, it's money. It's all money. So, and even if I had money, I don't know if Matt would do it because he has a great life. You know, he doesn't need to worry about money for the rest of his life. He just wants to do stuff that he likes to do. I've seen a couple other questions where people are like, why does Matt do Game Face? Because he likes it. He enjoys it. Like, you can't just go through life, like, not doing anything. No matter how much money you have, you can't just sit at your house all, all day and, like, play video games and watch movies. You need to get out and be active and keep your brain active. It's not healthy for anyone, no matter how, mu how much money they have, to do nothing. And Matt knows that because he's a really smart guy. And so I think he wants to keep his brain engaged. He's very passionate about games. He just enjoys doing it. He doesn't need the money that I give him for doing Game Face, but he takes it, obviously, because he should, but he doesn't need it. He just does it because he enjoys it and he loves games. So um, I would love to do more with Matt, but if you want that to happen, bump up that pledge. Okay, that's it for Ashing Anything. Again, we're really short on questions at this point. In fact, I think there's only like four or five sitting in that thread right now for next week's episode. So I'm getting a little nervous here. Uh, so again, head to sifted.net. In the header, there's a link to go to our forums where you can ask me questions and you can literally ask me about anything. So exciting weekend for me playing Starfield. I hope you guys have some great games lined up. Obviously today, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre just launched on Game Pass. I don't know if some of you guys will be checking that, that out over the weekend, but if you do, I hope you have fun, and we'll see you on Tuesday for Game Face. Have a great weekend.